Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Alex Manessis. Alex is an actress who has appeared on Everybody Loves Raymond, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and Friends. She can currently be seen playing Sophia on the Goldbergs. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Hey, I'm thrilled to do it. Well, Alex, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to acting in the first place. Well, you know, um, if you look on Google, it says that I, I saw a West Side Story and Rita Moreno was a big part of me getting into acting because she was a jet. She was she was playing the Puerto Rican girl in West Side Story, one of the Puerto Rican girls. And, and I thought, wow, I'm Mexican and I can be an actress and I can do that. That was a big part of it. But I'll tell you what really started me in acting was um, my aunt, my aunt Diana and her, her dancing school. She had a local dancing school and everyone in the neighborhood could dance class at her, um, in her studio. And she's taught, you know, thousands of kids. She's a wonderful woman, but she was also like a stage mom, you know, one of those, one of those stage moms, like the boo-boo stage mom. And she got me an agent at a very young age. And, uh, I got calls for commercials and things like that. And I sort of just happened into it or I was kind of forced into it. Hey, so you have an agent. How old are you when you have an agent? I think I was like 11, 10 or 11. How does that work? Do you have meetings with your agent? Is your agent trying to tell you to like take certain gigs, or are you just taking everything, every commercial that comes your way at that point? Well, at that point, you just go out for, for anything that, um, that you possibly can. I mean, you know, I, I'd go out for things as, as much as I could. My mom didn't drive, so we took three buses to go downtown for um, an audition. And um, it was a pain. It was a pain in the brain. So I didn't do that much at 11. I just did mostly modeling, um, little kid modeling. But I didn't actually get my first gig until I was, I think, 15 or 16. I was in that movie, Above the Law, Steven Seagal's first movie. Yep. And that was a crazy story because I uh, had to be a prostitute and I had to swear like all over the place, swear at him and like cuss him out and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know how to swear. I mean, I knew Spanish, but my parents didn't swear. So I had to ask my dad all these swear words. I'm like, Dad, how do you say this and this and this? And this? I said, how do you say go fuck yourself, you motherfucker, and <laughs> eat shit? And how do you say you're an asshole? And my dad's like, what? <laughs> what, what are you auditioning for, you know? So I auditioned for it. I got it. This is this is another crazy story. And I'm in high school, okay? And I get this huge movie, right, with Steven Seagal. And I'm so thrilled. And I tell my friends in school that I got this movie. And everyone's happy about it. And the whole school's talking about it and blah, 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 blah. Cut to premiere night. The director comes up to me and he said, Alex, the movie was so long. We had to cut like six people. And your character, Carla DiCarlo, we had to cut that character. We had to cut your two scenes because the movie is just too long and we just talk about you. I'm like, what? I told my entire school to go see this movie. And now I'm cut. They're going to think I'm the weirdo who lies about stuff. So that was my initiation into acting. Yeah. It's your first reality check. Oh my gosh! And my, you know, my first, my first big gig and uh, my first reality check. Yeah, I got it right away. I got it right. 
<laughs> so you started acting and, and were doing stuff because of your aunt at a young age. But even still, when you're a kid, acting is, is more of a recreation just because when you're acting when you're 11, that doesn't mean you'll be acting when you're an adult. What made you decide to pursue this as a career? That This was the thing that you wanted to make a living doing? Um, I think it was um, just because of the expression, the freedom of expression that I had. You know, I grew up in a very tight-knit family uh, with... Uh, three brothers, and when you grow up with a bunch of kids, you have you definitely have your place. You know, the the first kid's the responsible kid or the rebel. The second kid, the middle kids are uh, middle kids, and then the youngest is always the baby. You know, and I was a, I was a middle kid. My brother Steve and I were middle kids, and we definitely had our our place. And my place was sort of the fixer, the fixer of uh, my brothers fighting, my parents fighting. My this or that, I was the I was the fixer, the person who calmed stuff down. So, um, acting for me was a way to express myself, to come out of that fixer person and be angry if I wanted to be. Um, but that was uh, very attractive to me. I was not only could I express myself, I was encouraged to do it. Then I got paid for it. I'm like, hey, this is cool. I'm going to pursue this. So um, that was a big part of it. You did some modeling after high school. How did you get wrapped up into that world? That was kind of an accident. Um, I was a makeup artist, and I was studying at Second City in Chicago, Second City Improvisational Theater um, as a, uh, in, in the summer. And uh, I was doing makeup. And some of the, the photographers I was working for asked to do a photo shoot with me which I would do because we'd just be hanging around and say, they'd say, let's do a shooting with you. Okay. So I had a couple of shoots under my belt, but um, I went to a, a modeling agency and gave them my modeling book and or I'm sorry, my, my makeup book. And I wanted them to represent me as a makeup artist. And I remember it was at uh, David and Lee in Chicago and David came out and he saw me and he goes, Hey, do we have your portfolio? Do we have your book? Yeah, it's in the it's in the back. The agents are looking at it, and uh, and he came out five minutes later. He's like, I don't see your book. I said, Yeah, they have my my book. It's my my makeup book. He said, Oh, I thought you were a model. And I said, Well, I have a couple modeling pictures in there. David said, I'm going to send you on an audition right now. He sent me on a go see for a beer poster, and I got it, and I made ten thousand dollars. And I said, Bye bye makeup, hello modeling. How old were you when that happened? Uh, I was. Uh, 18 or 19, I started modeling pretty late. A lot of girls, you know, start modeling when they're 13 and 14, really young girls. I was almost I was almost 20 years old when I started. I'm a late bloomer all over the place. Still, when, someone, when you're 19 years old and someone hands you $10,000, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that was, it was crazy. I mean, I was making, I was making a lot of money at a, at a very young age. I made more in a month than my, my dad made in a year. So uh, that was that was helpful for my family, um, for me getting crazy and buying all kinds of things that I didn't need, like too many clothes and shoes. So I went through that. So you're working and you're a model and you're making money and you're doing that whole lifestyle. And then you transition into acting as an adult. Was that transition difficult or did you feel like coming from a modeling background, casting directors and producers were sort of stereotyping you into certain roles? I found that sometimes, but and that was okay. You know, at the, at the beginning, I would, I would do anything, any kind of job that I could. Uh, but I had always been an actress. 
the modeling was kind of a kind of an accident. And I did well in modeling, but I was a catalog girl. I was never like a high fashion model. Um, I did a lot of Montgomery Wards at the time. I think Montgomery Wards is closed now. I did Sears, you know, um, J.C. Penney's, stuff like that. But I had always been an actress. The modeling was just a, an accident, like I said, and a, a side gig. Acting was always my focus. I had always been studying as an actress. Anyway, I came out to Los Angeles. Um, to study at Lee Strasberg, and I studied there for four years and continued to model to support myself. And um, I think I got my first uh, sitcom, my first TV gig when I was at Strasburg uh, for the John Larroquette show. It was a long time ago, a long time ago. I loved John Larroquette, and I still love him. But that was frowned upon at Lee Strasberg because Lee Strasberg is, is the method, uh, and the method is 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 it's very involved and, you know, you work on a scene for months and months and months. And here I go to a sitcom where they change the scene every three minutes. And so it was, it was, it was different and it was a great exercise, great brain exercise, great acting exercise. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I love sitcoms. Sitcom is my favorite thing to do, I think. Well, I want to ask you about some of the sitcoms because you were a regular on Everybody Loves Raymond, and everyone, Everybody Loves Raymond is one of those shows. I feel like it's like the last of the old school sitcoms, the sitcoms that became popular in the 80s and early 90s. That was like the last surviving one. What was the tone like on that set? And tell me a bit about that show and that part. Um, I was actually recurring on that show. I would have loved to have been a series regular, um, but I was I was recurring. I did uh, six shows, I think, six, four shows or six shows. And I worked from 2000 to 2005. That was a fantastic show to work on. That was probably one of my best acting experiences of all time. First of all, it was a number one show. You know, it was a number one show when I started to do it. It had already been on for six years or something. And, and my first episode uh, was the, the series premiere. And I'm, I'm on this top show. So you're working in an environment where everyone's pretty happy. You know, they're number one. They're happy. They're established. It's not number one, oh, my God, we're going to lose our, our place any second. It's number one, and no one can touch us except friends, really. They were just such a top show, and um, everyone's very happy to be there and happy to work on it. And the, the writers were unbelievably talented. Uh, uh, Lou Schneider, who was on the Goldbergs, who I saw on the Goldbergs, he worked on there. He's one of the executive producers on the Goldbergs. Hilarious. Phil Rosenthal. Um, talented people. A very respectful set. Very serious set. I know everyone had a good time, but at the same time, it was a very serious play. Everyone was there to work. Everyone was 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 happy to be there, but there was no messing around. There was no, uh, there was no backstabbing as far as I could see. Everyone worked together as a team, and that's really important for a successful show. Everyone has to know that they're on the same team and work together as a team. I worked on Friends, and I, and I remember feeling that as well. All those, all those actors on Friends really liked each other. They were all so talented, but they respected each other and really liked each other. It was the same on Raymond. Everyone loved each, loved each other. I'm sure a few people hated each other, but I didn't know about it. And uh, one of the most important things, too, is that the star of the show, Raymond, is super cool. He's a great guy. 
the shows that I've worked on that were problematic were uh, is because um, the star of the show was having problems or not feeling good or didn't like being there or something like that. It starts at the top and it trickles down. Raymond was a wonderful show to work on. Uh, during the during my time there, I had done a movie in Romania. Actually, I did two movies in Romania. Oh, my God. Don't go to Romania, honey, unless you like to eat pig. A lot of pork. A lot of ham. Sliced ham, boiled pork, fried pork, pork chops, pork stew. Oh, my gosh. That it sucked. Let me tell you, I never ate so much McDonald's in my life. There's one McDonald's in Romania and Bucharest, and I ate there almost every day. But the, working, on, working on a movie in Romania is crazy. It's like working in the Wild West. They're all over the place. Um, people don't understand anything that's going on. Even if they speak English, uh, it's not it's not perfect English. So it's, the communication is hard. Everyone tries to do their best, but it's not the caliber. I'm sorry, it's not the caliber of the United States. So I had done a movie there that was absolutely insane and crazy to work on and difficult. And we had these ladies that were that were cleaning our um, clean, uh, cleaning our dressing rooms that were stealing everything. I mean, it was just crazy. Then I come back to America and I work the next day after I land, I worked on a Raymond episode and it was like the angels were singing, you know, it was beautiful. Everything was organized. Everyone was ready to work. Everyone was serious and happy and, but making jokes. And when we read the script out loud, you could hear a pin drop and there were probably 50 producers and, uh, people in the in the uh, in the room, no one made a sound. Just oh, it's wonderful. So I would say working on Everybody Loves Raymond was one of the the best experiences I had, and that includes my very first episode, which we shot in Italy. Thank you very much. That's a pretty nice gig right there. Yeah, we all flew to Italy for two weeks, and Phil Rosenthal, who is the executive producer and showrunner, who's a genius, is a real foodie. So every night we would go to these extravagant dinners all over Rome and um, the, in the vicinity. He would find the best restaurants for the best bolognese or the best uh, ravioli. And we would go to that restaurant and just chow on amazing, amazing food. I'm like, guys, I need to be fitting into my costume by, ne- you know, by next week. And eating like this, I'm just not going to. But it was wonderful. It was wonderful. A very difficult audition, I'll have to say, but uh, wonderful once I got it. Well, Alex, I want to mix it up a little bit. Tell me about your worst audition experience. My worst audition experience was one of my first. I think I was 11 or 12, and uh, I had taken off of school. I forgot what it was for. Um, I had to take off of school. My mother let me take off school, and she and I took a bu- three buses, as I said, uh, a local bus, another local bus, and then a downtown bus to get to this audition. We're waiting at the audition for an hour. My mom had curled my hair. My hair was like down to my butt. She had curled my hair all morning. It took like three hours to get me ready. And uh, it was it was basically falling down. I mean, it was the curls basically up by the time we got there. But, you know, there was a lot of preparation and I was very excited and there was a lot at stake. And I walked into the room and the people, uh, the director or whoever it was, looked at me, and before I even opened my mouth, I just said, uh, no, 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 next, 
Wow. Didn't even let you read. Didn't even let me read. That is tough on an 11-year-old kid. I'm telling you. It's a tough business. I don't know if I, if, uh, I would I would put a kid into that business. And, and my parents didn't force me. I probably had one audition every few years that they would allow me to go on. Um, I really didn't audition again until I was 14 or 15 because they just wanted me to concentrate on school and because I was so traumatized by that particular audition. I can't imagine little kids going to auditions and getting turned down all the time. It must be tough. How have you changed your audition style from when you were in your 20s and trying to do stuff in your 20s to how you act now? Do you have a similar process or have you changed things up completely with how you audition? I have... Um... I wish I wasn't as involved as I, as I was in my 20s. And, you know, because I had this method background, well, I also have an improv background, but because I have the method background, I do a lot of research. You know, I make up a backstory for each of my characters. I do a lot of work just for an audition. And I don't really have that time now because I have a two-year-old. And making up a backstory, writing down things that I think the character would be like, and I can do a little bit, but not a lot because I have a little two-year-old who's banging on my head going, mama, 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 yogurt. And so it's, 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 it's different. It's a, it's a little different, but at the same time, I'm a bit more seasoned and I think maybe, uh, I get it quicker. And so, um, it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. I, I definitely miss that all that research that I used to do, but it's very self-involved, you know, it's, it's very, I don't know. It's a, it's a very selfish life, I think, um, to just, just do acting, just concentrate on acting, just concentrate on yourself. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's all about you, which is, which is good, but I can't, I can't live like that. Is being a working actress what you expected it to be? You wanted to be an actress since you were a kid. Is it the life you expected it to be? In a lot of ways, it's, it was a lot more. And um, I, I've always, I mean, I always worked until I had my, until I had my baby. I, I didn't work as much. I only did things that were offered to me, like um, growing up Fisher was offered to me and the Goldbergs were offered to me it's because it's hard for me to go and audition. Like I said, with, with a little kid and I have four dogs and two cats and my parents live with me and I have a big house and, you know, a lot of responsibility when you start growing up. But um I, I've enjoyed everything that I've done. I, I really have. I had, I've had wonderful experiences, and yeah, I love that. I, maybe I could have been more famous. You know, I would have liked that just to get a little more money for my gigs. But I never, I never worked at that. That's a, that's a whole other job. Trying to, you know, being famous and staying famous and is a whole big job. It's a lot of promotion. It's a lot of going out. It's a lot of work in it. It's a lot of tweeting. It's a lot of Facebook. It's a, it's a lot of work. And I just, I never did that, but, um, but that's okay. I enjoyed my life and I traveled instead. So, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a good working actress life. For young actresses who are trying to break in, what advice would you give them? Just uh, stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. Always have integrity. Do the best audition that you can because it's not always about how well you do the audition. It's not always about how well you acted. It's, it could, it's a whole number of things. You know, it's, if you could be too tall for the part. Maybe you're auditioning for a part and the guy is 5'4 and you're 5'8 and not going to work. You could be the best actress in the world and it's just not going to work. Or, um, you know, there's a whole 
there's a whole range of things that a whole a bunch of reasons why and why why you don't get in that uh, a gig. And um, if you're true to yourself, you're true to your craft, you're true to your art. You go in, you do the best audition you possibly can, and you leave and you feel good about it. Then you're good to go, no matter what comes down the pike. That it's a good thing. You've been listening to Alex Manessas. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you so much, Dal. You are just a sweetheart. I appreciate it.